Welcome to the business of being well. If you're a hands-on practitioner who wants to grow a profitable business without working your life away, you're in the right place. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. So welcome everyone. I have given you a little sneak peek that I would be here today in the group with Dr. Colleen Holland. Um, we started a conversation in the group. I guess actually I started the conversation. I posted a question asking um, if anyone else is tracking their cycles. I said cycle tracking and I had mentioned that it was making a big impact on my energy levels. I've been doing it for five years now. Um, and the words that I used were not what I was talking about exactly. So I thought, well, one thing led to another, you and I talked through messenger and I was like, let's just share more about this whole topic. So here we are. (laughs) So um, let's just get started with you sharing a bit more about who you are and, and what you do. And then we'll take it from there. Sure. So I've been in practice about 20, a little over 20 years. And I started right off the bat in perinatal and pediatric care. So I was working with the population that we associate with reproductive health and fertility. And um, what I noticed was that this population gets some of the worst care out there. And in particular, those who menstruate have a lot of challenges that go unanswered. And um, they're often gaslighted into thinking, oh, it's just normal. You're supposed to have cramps. You're supposed to feel moody. PMS is a part of being a woman. And um, that got very frustrating to see what so many of my clients were going through. And I also was able to observe some of the challenges, not only in getting pregnant for couples, but what happens um, during pregnancy, obviously, those of us who work with pregnant um, couples, but postpartum too, not only seeing what happens to the mom, but also to the baby because of what could have t- could have been addressed before the idea of pregnancy even occurred. So it was really um, very clear to me that I was being pulled in this direction to go further and further back into more preconceptive work. And um, I just started diving more heavily into more fertility work and also just trying to seek answers that were not available to most people, but that exist. Meaning, um, you know, you go to the conventional practitioner and any menstrual cycle issue, you're going to receive one of three options. You're going to receive synthetic hormones, the pill or, you know, the IUD or something like that. You will um, sometimes be given the option of antidepressants Mm -hmm. and or surgery. And so those are your three options as a fertile human being, especially a fertile woman in this world. And that is not enough because there are so many other things that can help. So one, I wanted people to understand that there were more options and not only that, but there are many things that they could do that with their own hands and their own mind to help their cycles because fertility should not be a curse. Fertility is a part of our health. It's a part of our lives. It's what makes the world go around. Um, you know, as people who ovulate, menstruate, some of us gestate and lactate, we serve humankind with a tremendous amount of reproductive labor. And so 
we were being done a great disservice when we have three options as our, our treatment choices when we're not when we're suffering, when our fertility is not robust and healthy. So all of this was really occurring to me and I started um, looking for other options. I got trained in something called arbigotherapy, which is a visceral work, external visceral work to improve reproductive and digestive health. And a lot of body workers train in this work. Many of your audience is probably familiar with it. It's really beautiful work. And it addresses one thing that nothing else addresses, and that is the circulation to the reproductive organs and the digestive organs of blood flow, lymph flow, chi, all of that, all of which needs to be um, flowing well in order for those tissues to function well. And in our society, and I'm sure you've probably had other guests, you've talked about trauma, but where do women in particular hold a lot of trauma? deep in our pelvis. And what that does is it creates some congestion and, and it creates um, lack of good circulation. And so that particular body work is so very powerful because it's so ridiculously simple. And you can um, literally teach someone how to do some massage on themselves and they won't be able to do all the work on themselves, but um, a practitioner can work with them from time to time, but they have the power to actually do quite a bit of the work on themselves to make improvements in their own cycles. And that work is miraculous. So that was one thing I was like, oh, great. Why wasn't, why did I never learn this? I had to go somewhere and seek this out. Um, and then I learned about charting menstrual cycles. And um, most people hear about it these days because, you know, when you want to get pregnant, you chart your cycles and you try to figure out where you are in order to time intercourse to make sure conception happens. And that's great. I love that people are being empowered with that knowledge. And there's yet even more information that you can get. You can actually very successfully utilize menstrual cycle charting to avoid pregnancy. And you can use it also to monitor your health, whether you're interested in pregnancy or not. Because like I said earlier, the menstrual cycle is a vital sign and we all have a right to have robust fertility. And the fact that in conventional models that that's really largely ignored, not only ignored, but suppressed regularly, yeah. um, there's a real disconnect in healthcare. So that's, that's sort of where I've taken um, my career. I no longer do body work, um, but I do practice. A, I have a functional medicine practice around reproductive health. Most of my clients are either people who have periods or menstrual cycles that are less than ideal and they want to feel better um, and they want to cycle better and they want to, um, they want to stop suffering. You know, they want to be, uh, they, they, there's so much suffering when it comes to menstrual cycles. And um, a lot of times I work with couples who are trying to become pregnant and really the only other answers out there for them are heavy duty medications and ovulatory stimulants and um, IVF and those sorts of things. And some have been through that gamut and um, it's been unsuccessful or they feel terrible on it and others haven't gone that direction yet. They want to try to give something else a try. Um, so so yeah, I think the thing that keeps me going is always finding more new information to help understand how we can help ourselves, how we can give ourselves permission to have good, healthy menstrual cycles. You know, because the world just tells us, oh, it's your lot. You know, you got a uterus, that's what you deal with. Um, and 
if from a, a functional medicine perspective, a, a menstrual cycle chart is incredibly diagnostic and it takes literally minutes a day of observing cervical mucus each time you go to the bathroom, um, taking your BBT, each, your basal body temperature each morning before you get out of, before you get too active for the day. So if any of your audience members want resources, I have tons of free resources I can share with you on the basics of fertility awareness method and um, uh, even some of the Arvika work, uh, the abdominal work. We do have quite a few um, hands-on practitioners. There are a variety of um, health and wellness practitioners here in the group now. I would say that majority are hands-on practitioners, chiropractors, massage therapists, um, some acupuncturists, physical therapists, public floor therapists. So um, the majority of us here are working with people hands-on. And um, I think, you know, there, well, there's a lot of different directions we could go with the conversation. There's a lot that we could talk about, of course. Um, I'm glad that you shared more about how you're practicing now, because um, I don't know that there's ever been a time in my career, I've been in practice for what is this, my 14th year, I guess, um, where people are exploring options for their career more than they are now. Because, you know, like it or not, technology is changing a lot of things. It's never going to replace a human placing an acupuncture needle or a massage therapist's actual hands or a chiropractic adjustment. But um, what we do, I believe, need to be open to is... Um, other models for our businesses, ways that we can integrate both our in-person services and our online services, ways that we can work with people um, who are not able to come to us physically. Uh, again, you know, the technology, we're not necessarily always fans of social media or cell phone use. And there are there are amazing aspects of it as well that it, that it brings to us as practitioners and um, gives us access to helping people, helping people that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to help. We just got to look for the ways to embrace the technology and, and the positive aspects of it um, while managing, I think, also the, the negative um, or less than ideal aspects of it as well. So um, when, I, when I posted and asked about, you know, is anyone else cycle tracking? Um, the, the type of cycle tracking that I was talking about for myself is like the fertility awareness method plus, <laughs> plus something else. And I don't know that there's a term for it. I, um, I learned from Kate Northrup in her membership program. She talks a lot about tracking your cycles, whether it's your menstrual cycle, um, the moon phases, paying attention to your energy levels on those days. And it's all in her her planner as well. Um, but I also started to think like, maybe I kind of made my own spin on this whole thing because um, I am looking at the moon phases and my menstrual cycle. And um, and I hadn't even really realized it, but the fertility awareness method, I learned when I was in chiropractic school, I was experiencing infertility in my first marriage. And so that was an option that someone referred me to I don't even remember if it was a nurse, an, an OB, someone that taught fertility awareness method. I think maybe a nurse in the hospital. 
So I learned that when I was in my mid twenties and it was very eye-opening because I was able to identify pretty quickly that my menstrual cycle was not healthy. Um, it was coming, you know, every 28, 29 days, but there were other aspects of it that I was able to identify like, Ooh, that <laughs> this is not, um, this is not ideal. And now after having four pregnancies, three births, um, I, <laughs> it's interesting. Like I look at my menstrual cycle as a vital sign. I hadn't really put it into those words, but um, it tells me so much about what's been going on with my body, what's been going on in my mind, even in my spirit, and um, and it's a it's an indicator of how much to me how much um, my health has improved. Actually, even though I don't necessarily look as healthy as I looked when I was twenty years younger, <laughs> um, my menstrual cycle shows me a much different picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really nice to be able to see that on paper in front of you. I know a lot of people use apps too, which is great. Mm -hmm. I, if my clients want to use apps, it's really fine. I do ask them when they're learning to start to uh, transfer that data onto paper because seeing it all in front of you in one chart is very, very helpful versus on a small screen on a phone. Um, but being able to see it, not only seeing where, what you're, it's, it's like you and your body are having a conversation and I can tell someone one thing I can say, you might want to, you might want to lay off the gluten. Um, you might want to consider that the dairy is contributing to your acne, or you might want to, um, you know, not go out and have those drinks with your friends each night after work. But if the chart shows that, oh, I didn't ovulate. Uh, until day 20. Um, and I had a short luteal phase, but leading up to ovulation, I had four nights where I went out and had drinks. Mm -hmm. That's a very different conversation than me saying to someone, you might want to reconsider, uh, maybe your liver is having a hard time with that. This mm -hmm. liver health is very connected to menstrual health. And so you have uh, a conversation with your body that you can read like a book right in front of you. And then when you are making changes, and you, you know, make notes on your, your chart, you make changes and you look at a new chart and you can see how those changes are actually affecting your body and your body is telling you, yay, this worked. Look at this. This is working for us. Or, oh, we're still, there's something still going on. We need to figure out. Having practiced this as a, as a practitioner, a clinician for as long as you have, how do you now um, implement this into your own, into your own life and into your work? Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, I love this question, um, mostly because I get ex so excited about how this has changed my life for the better. Um, so I am someone who had pretty significant polycystic ovarian syndrome from from menarche, really, um, into my hmm, at least my mid 30s. I'm 47 now. And now I regularly ovulate that I might have ovulated two times, three times a year um, before that, which is not enough um, for optimal health. <laughs> and I also suffer from endometriosis. And so I have been able to, you, with my, my education, my, all the things I've researched and the things I implement, figure out ways to heal my own cycle. And, um, you know, so much of it is diet, lifestyle, um, you know, supplements, of course, but also 
relaxation, rest, prioritization of sleep, prioritization of what matters most to me, and not prioritizing a a perceived ideal of what my practice should look like. Um, So making my practice work. And if it's not working, then changing it. And, oh, is that working? Eh, It's a little bit better, but still not there. Okay, then I need to change it again. I've gone through that my whole career. And um, I've been able to see, like, if I look back, I've probably been charting my cycles for 12 plus years. If I look back at my charts, you can see an incredible progression of health um, through those, even though I've struggled with a lot of health issues. And I've heard you mention on another podcast the connective tissue disorder, EDS. I have that as well and mast cell activation syndrome. And so I have um, I have a lot of things that I've been working on in my life as a healthcare provider and my own health issues. And so a lot of this journey has taught me a tremendous amount about not only what I need to do to keep myself on this planet and doing whatever I can do while I'm here, um, but also helping people that otherwise wouldn't maybe have um, someone to work with who hasn't been through this and hasn't got firsthand experience with what they're dealing with. So, yeah, so I, I, you know, I walk my talk. (laughs) I often recommend things to people um, with rare exception. I recommend everything I recommend is something I've at least tried um, and I commit to regularly. So even things like the self-care abdominal massage, like I always recommend people do that because I've seen what a difference it can make. I also do regular pelvic steaming because it does miraculous things for my, my cycle, my flow and my level of endometriosis pain. And I mean, I've gone from four days of HE double hockey sticks down to um, maybe two hours of, I might need two ibuprofen to get me through for anyone who suffers from endometriosis, that's an enormous improvement. So, um, so yeah, I, I've learned so much and I've applied so much of what I've learned in my own life that I feel like uh, it maybe it puts me in a unique position to work with people who've gone through a lot of this. And so, you know, there's some gratitude for what I've been through in my life because I do, I've always known that I was supposed to be a healer. Like I, there was just no doubt in my mind. Um, when I was in high school and even in college, I was trying to figure out, you know, I was pre-med. I didn't know anything else. I was like, I'm a healer. I'm going to, I'm going to be a doctor. And so it was during undergrad that I realized that I would not be the kind of doctor that I wanted to be um, if I had gone that route. And I didn't know all that I know about it today. I'm just so glad I listened to that inner voice. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea how, um, how that happened, but I'm so grateful for it. I don't know if I would still be here in this body if I had gone that medical that route. So everything happens for a reason. And my own struggles, my own everything that I've been through, and um, it 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 um really inspires me to continue to learn, not because I feel inadequate in my knowledge. I mean, everybody goes through that, um, but because I just, I know there's more out there, you know, and I really want to understand as much as I can. Hmm. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. I don't know if you might have known this already. I've shared this on the podcast before that before chiropractic school, I, well, I considered a lot of different careers. I was working in a pharmacy though. And I was thinking about um, getting my master's in counseling or art therapy 
or dance therapy, all of which would have required me to move away from home um, or go to pharmacy school. And, um, and then, I don't know, I just kept getting the nudge really to go to chiropractic school. I didn't know anything about chiropractic, but I I narrowed it down to either pharmacy school or chiropractic school. And wow, (laughs) if I I close chiropractic school, you know, we could have, um, we could make all the, the list of all the reasons why like chiropractic school is so hard and we take on so much debt and all of the things, but I wouldn't change any of it to have gone through pharmacy school instead. Um, knowing what I know now, right. But similar to your experience, I, I don't know really what led me down one route versus the other, but I'm very thankful that I chose the path that I did. And that I listened to what otherwise seemed like a crazy idea to most people that knew me, especially my parents. Um, we didn't have any healthcare providers, definitely no chiropractors in our family, And it was just kind of like an idea that I came up with. Like I had studied marketing and business and social work. And it was like, own my own business and help people. Cool. Chiropractic can let me do that. Okay. Um, So here we are now. (laughs) All these years later, right? Um, And I haven't met a chiropractor that doesn't have some similar type of story. Like there's just this calling this, or, you know, most, most, most healthcare workers, have some calling, but there's there's something about our profession that just um, you know the the round peg in the square hole or the square peg in the round hole. We're just different. We're just a different breed, and um, I feel like that inner voice that gets us to where we are is maybe we just pay more attention to that because, like you, I had a ton of pushback from my family when I made that decision. I had a ton of pushback from my professors when I made that decision. And these were my mentors and people I thought, you know, really cared about me and what I wanted to do. And that was, that was hard. That was hard to stick to my course, you know? Yes, I can relate. And especially now, you know, with our children being 19, 11, seven, and four, one of them in particular has aspirations for a career. And I feel that I'm like, no, Mm-mm. <laughs> you can't do that. No. Well, I'm also balancing what you just said, right? Like supporting her no matter what she wants to do and trusting her journey and, and, um, and balancing those two things, like wanting to protect her from this predatory industry and also letting her make her own choices as she's ready to do that. Whew. And, and something to your point that I think you teach all the time is that we have no idea what a field will look like in three, five, 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. And so I have a similar sort of thing um, where I'm, I'm worried that the my, my dear little one chosen career will not be lucrative enough for her to support herself. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I, but now I'm like, it's a lesson that I have to learn too. And I'm just letting go because I have no idea what she can do with this particular training that she's going to get and what she can do with it to make it her own. So that gives me a little bit of reassurance when I get into that fear model, you know? (laughs) I do. Yes. So um, for People that might be listening or watching um, who are familiar with fertility awareness method, for example, like they, they are already implementing this. 
Do you have um, recommendations or suggestions, tips for them on how they could take what they're doing with tracking, um, you know, like their, their cycle days and maybe their basal body temperature, their cervical mucus, how can they take that information and utilize it to up-level their health? Or is there more that they could do with it um, so that it's not just, you know, pregnancy avoidance or a fertility method per se? How can it, how can they use it to help them um, with balancing their life and their work and avoiding, hopefully avoiding um, or managing burnouts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, burnout just comes from taking from an empty tank, you know? And so our fertility, our health, our fertility, which is a big part of that during our cycling years, but even after we're done cycling, the amount of time we spend cycling and ovulating in a robust manner actually helps us post-menopausally as well. So I don't want anyone to think that, oh, just from the time of, you know, 12, 13 until we're 50, that's the only time it's important. But that time is important um, and even has uh, great effects after menopause as well. And, you know, we can cycle into our 60s and, you know, some people might be horrified by that thought, but um, it's, you know, ovulate. So let's just start with saying that, ovulation is a very important process in our body. I've heard you talk about how the the masculine body is about um, uh, quantity and the feminine body is about quality. And we need both of those in our world. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's just focus on the quality aspect of the feminine body. And so if you have a body that ovulates, it takes a great deal of energy to do that. We put a lot into ovulating each cycle because you know the potential to create a life is always there whether we want children or not want children or maybe want them later Um, no matter what we choose we put a lot into that not because just the potential child but in doing that and creating that healthy egg we actually create healthy levels of estrogen and healthy levels of progesterone for a body that has implications for our heart health, our brain health, our bone health, our mental health. And so regardless of the whole potential child thing, um, we need the right amount of hormones throughout our cycle and, and throughout our lives. Estrogen is a growth hormone. It's often associated with feeling great and gregarious and, you know, energetic. And that's why during our fertile phase, when our estrogen is as as high as it's going to be throughout our cycle, we tend to be more outgoing and energetic and fertile and feel sexy. And not that we can't feel sexy all cycle long. Believe me, ladies, we can. (laughs) But um, that's what it's most uh, often correlated with, estrogen. And so estrogen is a growth hormone. It grows tissue, it grows the endometrial layer, it grows and matures the ovum and the follicle that holds the ovum in in order to make more estrogen. And it has effects all throughout the body on our hair and our skin and our bones and our heart, on and on. And then once we ovulate, The estrogen is still produced in small levels, but it drops considerably. And what happens is that progesterone just takes off. And so if we have had a healthy follicular cycle, 
the, the part of our cycle, the first half before we ovulate, then we can, we're more likely to have a healthy, robust luteal phase, which is the second half between ovulation and the start of our next period. And so progesterone is beautiful in that it helps to balance the effects of estrogen. So we don't want growth to go unchecked. Lots and lots of estrogen without progesterone to balance it can lead to things that we don't really want to have to think about. Um, that's, you know, when we start to think about estrogen dominance, you know, on the very low end of the scale, we can feel really crappy. We can have terrible PMS. We can have subfertility, um, breast tenderness, um, nausea, mental health concerns, post, um, uh, premenstrual dysphoria, you name it. Um, but if we have enough progesterone to balance that out, we should glide right into our next period. We, the progesterone helps us to sleep better. It helps, you know, it, it feeds our cells just like estrogen does, but there's a balance between the two and our cells need both of them. And so if we are not ovulating regularly, whether our, our cycles are healthy enough to produce a healthy egg and produce enough progesterone, or if we are for whatever reason, taking some sort of menstrual suppression to keep ovulation from happening. Now, there is always a time and a place. I understand that people need birth control and not, and fertility awareness method is not the right method for everyone at every point in their life. So this is not a guilt trip sort of statement, but when we do take something that suppresses our menstrual cycle, like the hormonal birth control pill, even the mini pill, um, it still suppresses ovulation. Um, the Mirena IUD can suppress ovulation. And um, even the copper IUD, to some extent, can suppress ovulation. We do that um, because we need to for our choices to, to do that. Um, but we need to know that you would be best to minimize the length of time that you do that because the balance of estrogen and progesterone throughout your cycling lifetime is very important for your longevity and your, how you feel. I mean, you know, just on a day-to-day -day basis, there are so many side effects to uh, hormonal birth control. I, I don't know if I need to talk about them here, but so many that women suffer from and even low libido, um, depression, like these things that sometimes women are not even told are related to the pill or the IUD. So if I'm getting a little off topic here, but I'm going to try to bring it back to what you asked about. <laughs> um, essentially, what I wanted to say is that it is really important for us to ovulate. And we are at our best when we are ovulating. We are at our healthiest. If you are noticing on your charts that you are not ovulating every cycle or that maybe you ovulate, but you your luteal phase so after you ovulate, but before your next period is rather short. That's, you know, less than 11 days, less than 10 days. That's getting a little short. That means progesterone production is not as robust as it could be. If you feel really crummy during your luteal phase, the days leading up to your, your period, or if you have premenstrual spotting, all of these are signs that you could, you need a little support. Your body's struggling. And so whenever our body is struggling, you know, one of the first things it's going to slack off on is fertility, because why would it, you know, in its mind, why would it bring a child into a body that's struggling? That's something that can be um, pushed off. You know, it's got to work on making sure your heart's functioning, your lungs are functioning and all those vital organs. So while fertility is a vital sign, it's not as vital as the others when it, when the body needs to prioritize. Um, and so 
when you are noticing these things and you know you need to work on your cycle, uh, now was your question about how to use the cycle chart to to schedule your life or what to do? That could be the answer okay. question perhaps, right? Like how can we use our charts so that we, I think specifically like what's the relationship to the information that we gather and for our community, managing, preventing burnout, managing, Mm, preventing burnout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think preventing burnout is just prioritizing your health. And honestly, I feel like the cycle chart is a way that you can do that because they're just like you would, well, blood work is a different thing, but you can use the same sort of data from your blood work. Like if your cholesterol is getting very high and your triglycerides are high and your LDLs are high and your HDLs are low, then you might consider reducing carb intake, you know, the refined carbs. And so you make decisions based on what you see there. And you can do some of the same things too with your chart. So if you are scheduling people during a time in your cycle where you definitely feel your worst, that's not, that might not be the most conducive for you. That's just going to continue to pull from that empty tank. Yeah. And so when you are able to chart and see, okay, when do I feel my best? Then you can schedule heavier on those days and really lighten your schedule when, or take off and take some downtime while you're healing, while you're repairing, while you're making changes. So it's a wonderful barometer to be able to be one how can I schedule to make this work best for me? But two, um, what two, what can I do to improve things so that I have more days where I feel well? And um, three, then if is what I'm doing working? So you can see that in your chart too. Like, okay, I gave up gluten and dairy and let's see what happens in my cycle charts. Now, usually people, if someone has a sensitivity to those foods and they take them out, they will see a difference usually within the first cycle cycle, but definitely within three. There's a magic number three when it comes to menstrual cycles. It usually takes three full cycles to see the full effect of something that you've started to improve your cycles. So I usually always say, you know, give it a good three months to know for sure, but usually people start to see within the first month. Um, But even, you know, starting a new supplement, let's say you take some methane, DIM, it's a common one for unopposed estrogen. It helps the liver to metabolize estrogen and and get it out of the body. Um, Yeah, I I could start, I'm not making, um, (laughs) I'm not making recommendations because I don't know the particular person out there. I will say that you can go too fast on detoxifying if you're not um, aware of the other things like for instance if you're not pooping every day do not start detoxing with herbs and supplements because that is you have to start at the end and work backwards so when it comes to any approach to improving health you got to make sure the bowel is functioning well so that's where all of the like the effort is focused on immediately um, is making sure those modes of elimination are working well before we start doing anything else to improve detoxification. And a lot of, a lot of women these days do need help with estrogen metabolism. Um, But if you just read about that and you start taking them or start taking calcium deglucurate or doing liver detoxes, you might be causing yourself a little more that's the clinician in me. That's why I'm jumping to that. Sorry. <laughs> no, this is great. I could listen to you talk and it's, it's amazing actually to hear you speak about these things. Um, 
for me, all things that I've like been aware of for a long time, literally almost 20 years now. Right. And I, I also feel like I can never get enough of it. Like I just want to continue learning. And some of the things that you've said, I've never heard them put in quite those perspectives before. So it's, it's fun for people that might want to learn more about your practice. Where's the best place for them to connect with you? Sure. Um, my website is wombforgrowth.com. So it's a little play on words, womb, W-O-M-B, for growth.com. Um, that, not the number four, but F-O-R, growth. And um, they can just email me through there. They can learn more about my practice. I have some information on there. If they're, I want to also mention that if they are interested in, especially if you're wanting to learn how to chart to avoid pregnancy, it's very important that you get a certified educator to teach you. Um, you can, if you have a perfect cycle and everything looks great, you can pick up a book like Taking Charge of Your Fertility and teach yourself how to chart and you may be able to do just fine. But, and, and so if you have anything that's a little bit off with your cycles, if you're postpartum or if you're just coming off the pill um, or you have PCOS or endometriosis, then I would highly, highly recommend working with a professional who's been certified. So there are, there's an association called the Association for Fertility Awareness Professionals, and that's just fertilityawarenessprofessionals.org. Um, and all of the listed educators, fertility awareness educators on there have gone through a two-year training program. And they are the, the secular association. So um, within Fertility Awareness Method, there's a secular branch that's full spectrum. So not only do we teach people how to chart for achieving or preventing, but also we walk them through more use morning after pills and abortion. Um, so we provide all of that support. There's no restriction to that. We're trained in all of that. Um, then there are also fertility awareness educators who are trained in the natural family planning model, which is based on um, more of derived from the Catholic church. So you can have phenomenal instructors there too. Just pick whichever feels like resonates with you. Um, but the Association for Fertility Awareness Professionals is a great place to go to find someone. Most of us do work. Um, most of us do work virtually. Not everyone is a functional medicine doctor. Most are not. So that's something to keep in mind. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Give your website one more time. And I'll also make sure that we put it into the show notes later on the podcast. Okay, thanks. It's um, wombforgrowth.com. Perfect. Dr. Colleen, thank you so much for um, being willing to do this with me. I think it was kind of a spontaneous idea I had when we were chatting privately outside of the Facebook group and you said yes. So it worked out and here we are. I know that your time is valuable and um, I appreciate you making time to talk more about this. My pleasure. Thank you. Do you want to make more money without squeezing more patients or clients onto your schedule? If that's you, be sure to take my free class. In it, you'll learn how to bring leveraged income into your practice so you can work less, live more, and help more people than ever before. You can get signed up by going to drdanielleaton.com and click free.